Take your Bibles, if you would, and open up to the book of 2 Timothy as we're going to start a three-week series, which I've entitled Reboot. In 2 Timothy, we're going to look at uh, chapter 3 today. And over the next three weeks, we're going to be talking about spiritual habits. And this is really a time where... Uh, after January, we've made some New Year's resolutions, and it's sometimes this is where things start to get hard. And spiritually, we might have made some New Year's resolutions, and we want to make sure that sometimes, just like a computer needs to be rebooted, sometimes we need to get uh, we need to reboot, and uh, so that, that way we can get right back on track where we need to be. If not, sometimes things like clog up a computer and makes it run slower, it doesn't run efficiently, or maybe it doesn't run effectively at all, um, and it needs to be rebooted. The same thing in our Christian life, and too many times, if we're not careful, we'll allow certain things to get into our life and cause us to stray away from the spiritual habits that we need to have to keep a consistent Christian life. And so we're going to take a look at that this morning, and I've entitled this message, Ruling Authority. Ruling Authority. Take a look in 2 Timothy chapter 3, if you would, and we're going to take a look at verses 14 through 17. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for the opportunity to be able to be here. We thank you for the time to be able to sing and to be able to worship you through singing and giving. And now we have the opportunity to be able to worship you through preaching and listening to your word. And and Father, also we thank you that we can laugh and we can have a good time in your house as well. And Father, we do pray that you would do a work in the hearts of each and every person here. And I pray that my heart and my mind would be clear and pure with you and that I would be right with you and that you would give me the grace that I need to be able to preach your word. And Father, I pray that Uh, You would do the work that only you can do. Father, we ask you for this. We pray that if there is those here this morning that do not know you, we pray that they would come to know you. And Father, we pray for a spirit of love and of joy amongst uh, your people this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Don't be seated. I need you to help me this morning. I want you, without looking at your iPhone or any other gadget, to point to true north. <laughs> yeah, somebody's pointing straight up. But where, where is true north? Okay, we got people pointing here. We got people pointing over there. We got people pointing back there. We got people pointing over here. We got, we got people going east, west. We got people pointing all over the place. Can I tell you, Mr. Shade, you're just about right. You, you are. I think you are. That is, uh, I, I will pull up. I, I made sure that my compass was right. And um, true north is just about there. So it's right, Dennis, right past your head, okay? So on, the, on my left side, your right side, right past that, 
is true north. Isn't it interesting how everybody has, we were all over the, and if I didn't have this, there's no way I would have been like, I don't know. I mean, I'm directionally challenged. (laughs) I mean, I, I know that part of the creation was GPS. I understand that that's in, somewhere in Genesis somewhere. GPS, I can guarantee you. Thank you. You can be seated. Thanks for your help this morning. Because I want to talk to you about ruling authority. You say, well, what does that have to do with true north? Because if you don't have something that is consistent to be able to rule in your life as the authority of your life, you're going to get off course. See, do you realize that if some of you would have taken the direction that you would have taken, kept saying that, oh, wait a second, this is true north or that's true north, or even if somebody was pointing and they were close to north, but if they're off one degree, guess what? After a while, you're going to be further than one degree off. You're going to continue to go in a direction that's not true north. You're going to end up somewhere where you didn't think that you would end up. See, all of us needs a compass, if you will, or a ruling authority in our life to keep us on course. If we don't have that, we're going to get off course. The sad reality is authority in our day and age is something that does not have a good stigma associated with it. We've been taught to question authority, to not trust authority. We've been taught to defy authority and even to subvert authority. And this this has come all in about the name of personal freedom and individuality. And there has, I guess we could say, has there been abuses in authority? Well, yeah, most definitely. Are there people in authority that should not be in authority? Yes, we understand that. But that doesn't mean that all authority is bad. And that doesn't mean that authority should not be trusted or listened to. See, because when you think about it, everybody is submitting to some type of authority in their life. Say, I'm not. Well, you are submitting to some type of authority, whether it's governmental authority. I mean, if you don't act decently, there's going to be consequences for you not acting right because there's laws. But for the most part, we act decently. Why? Because there's an authority that tells us that we can't go 160 miles down New Brooklyn Road. We really need to follow the speed limit. And so there's, a, there's an authority there. Some of us have bosses that we have authority over us. And maybe you're the, the type of person to say, I, I, I will not submit to any authority. Well, you're actually, you are actually submitting to an authority. That's your own authority. You're submitting to yourself. And so therefore, all of us, in some way, submit to authority. You say, well, still, not me. Well, do you submit to your desires? Your impulses? Maybe sometimes your thoughts? Well, if you do, that's the authority that's in your life. Maybe you do things because your friends do them or whatever. That's the authority that's in your life. And for the believer, we are to have 
a ruling authority. And that ruling authority is what sets us apart from the world, and it keeps us on course. See, we say that we believe the Bible. We say that we believe the Bible. If I were to stand up here this morning and say, how many of us here this morning believe that this is the the word of God? Every serious Christian would say, Pastor, I believe that. If I were to ask you, how many of you in here that, that love the Lord Jesus Christ and know Christ your personal Savior, believe, that, believe every word in this book? You believe this book from cover to cover. All serious Christians would say, yeah, I do. But see, for the believer, if we really believe that the Bible is from God, and we say that we believe every word in the Bible then the Bible must be the ruling authority in our life. It must rule our lives for, for, for rule and practice in our life. We know that theologically. We all know that we ought to believe the Bible. And many of us would all say that we believe the Bible and we follow the Bible. And let me ask you a question. When somebody offends you, how do you handle it? When somebody treats your kid bad, how do you handle that? When somebody is unloving to you, what is your your first response? See, if the Bible is the ruling authority in our lives, then we're going to follow what the Bible says. What if somebody is taking advantage of you? What if somebody is despising you? What if somebody is really raking you over the coals? Then, Then what are you going to do? Well, the Bible tells us exactly what to do when people take advantage of us. So if we believe the Bible, then we need to have it as the ruling authority in our life. Because if the Bible's not the ruling authority in your life, then something else is. And every time, listen, every time you take a step not to follow the ruling authority of the Bible in your life, guess what? You're taking one more step from off of true north. You're one degree away from true north. Every time you decide to do it your way instead of God's way, you are saying that, that God's way, you know what, that's fine, but I just, I just can't do that. I know what God says, I, but I just can't do that. Then you're saying that the Bible is not the ruling authority in your life, but that you're the ruling authority in your life. But pastor, you don't know what they've done to me. You don't know what they've said to me. You don't know how they treated me. You don't know my finances. You don't know the background. You don't know how I was brought up. No, I don't. But God does. And when he wrote this book, he didn't put any exception clauses in it for any of us. This book was written from people who come from all types of background. From abuse backgrounds. From drug addiction backgrounds. From alcohol addiction backgrounds. From divorce backgrounds, from, from, all, from, from losing a job type of background, or being poor all your life background, or not having a great education background, or having a high education background, or whatever the case may be, when this book was written, it was written with everybody in mind. And so therefore, everybody who knows Christ as their personal Savior is to submit to the ruling authority of this word in our life. See, it's not good enough for us to have Bibles laying around the house. Bible, a Bible laying around the house is not a good luck charm. 
You know, we gave out a bunch of family Bibles and we got rid of these family Bibles that were just sitting around here. I thought, these aren't doing us any good. We might as well give them away. And so, man, they went like hotcakes and I'm glad that people took them. That was wonderful. But, you know, if that Bible or your Bible is just sitting there on your coffee table or wherever you put it and you're not opening it, it's not going to bring you any good luck. It's not like you're going to rub the thing and say, all right, I get three wishes now. See, I got a Bible in my house, so we're protected. No. Not at all. See, having a Bible in your house isn't going to make you any more spiritual than a person who was without Christ. See, if, a, if the Bible is going to have real impact upon your life, you must, you must allow it to be the ruling authority in your life. Okay? Well, what does that mean? That you live by what it says. See, this is where it gets, I move it from theological to practical. The theological thing to say is, the Bible is the word of God. The Bible is to be the authority in your life. And all of us can say, amen. Now, since we just don't live in a bubble and we live in a real world, we've got to take it from the theology to the practical. So all of us who would say, yes, the Bible is the word of God. It is the only thing that will keep me, quote, unquote, on true north. It needs to be the ruling authority in my life. I believe that every, I believe every word in that Bible. Then guess what? Now we move it from the theological into the practical. You say, well, what does that mean? That we live out what the Bible says. That we live it out. So when the Bible says, do good to them, which despitefully use you, guess what? You do good to them. Physically, you do good to them. When the Bible says, be kind one to another, guess what? You're kind one to another. Well, they weren't kind to me. The Bible doesn't say that if they're not kind to you, for you not to be kind to them. When the Bible says... If you, that, that you're to be tenderhearted and you are to forgive somebody, then guess what? That's what you're supposed to do. When the Bible says that if somebody despitefully use you, that you are to continue to just do good unto them. That's what you are supposed to do. See, we're to live it out. And we can talk all we want about being open Bible Baptist church. Man, that's a great name. It's wonderful to have your Bible open and to mark your Bible. But can I tell you, though I mark my Bible and I mark it a lot, instead of marking your Bible, folks, I would tell you as your pastor this morning, I'd much rather have the Bible mark you. See, it's my desire for you as, as your pastor not to just have people that have a bunch of head knowledge and are puffed up and, man, these people know the Word of God, but you're not living it out. Because guess what? Not living it out does not make a difference in the world. Here's something else the Bible says, that we are to love one another as Christ loves us. You know what the Bible says? The Bible tells us that if we have a whole lot of knowledge about the Bible and about God, the Bible says that the world will know that we're his disciples. Some of you should have said, uh, no, it doesn't, because it doesn't say that. 
But you know how the world will know that we're his disciples? When we love one another the way that Christ loves us. And how is that? That is sacrificial. That is over the top kind of love. That is a lavish love. That man, when somebody here in our church, the Bible says, when somebody is rejoicing, hey, something happens great in their life, they get a raise or they get maybe a, 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 some type of blessing, that we don't go around saying, man, I can't believe that they got that. Why didn't I get that? No, what does the Bible say? That we're to rejoice with those who are rejoicing. Then when somebody's going through a hard time, they lose a loved one or, or, they, or, or, or maybe they're going through uh, financial difficulties or they've got a child that's going wayward or they find out that maybe one of their kids has cancer and they're, they're going to die and they're weeping. What does the Bible say that we're to do? We're to weep with those who weep. See, that's living it out. And that's saying that the Bible is the ruling authority in my life. My question for you this morning is, who's ruling in your life? See, scriptural authority is to be the ruling authority in every believer's life. Why? We'll take a look at number one. Because you'll be able to survive and thrive in an evil age. You'll be able to survive and thrive in an evil age. In verses, chapter 3, verses 1 through 9. The Bible says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own self, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affections, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Hello. Having a form of godliness. Hello. But denying the power thereof. From such turn away. Oh, man. What's the Bible say? From such turn away. Hmm. For of this sort they are which creep into houses and leading captive silly women laden with sins, led away with diverse lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith, but they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest unto all men as theirs also was. Hey, folks, there's no doubt that we're living in an evil age. If that was the last days when Paul wrote it, how much closer, you know? I believe once Jesus Christ, the last days uh, started, once Jesus Christ died and rose again. That's when the last days started. Now, we're closer to Jesus Christ coming back today than we were yesterday. So if you don't know Christ, your personal Savior, and you say, well, I'm just going to get saved on my own time. I'm going to get saved when I want to. I really don't need to, I don't really see the need uh, to get saved right now. My friend, you don't know if you've got tomorrow. Matter of fact, you don't know if you have the next 15 minutes. If Jesus comes back and you've already heard the gospel, guess what? Once he comes back and you've already heard the gospel, you won't be able to accept him later on in the tribulation. You're going to be deceived. See, we live in an evil age. And we can see evil all around us. And we also find that isn't the culture becoming more intolerant of Christians? I mean, if you stand up for what is right, right is now called wrong, and wrong is now called right. 
You're homophobic. You're, you're all these phobics. I never realized I had so many diseases. <laughs> you know? It's, it's unbelievable. And, and those of us who be- believe the Bible and stand on the Word of God, man, it's, it's even worse. Why? Huh. It's worse for us. Why, Pastor? Because as I told you before, you can't live the American dream and, and follow the Word of God at the same time, and so you have to go countercultural. Everything that you do is countercultural to what the wor- world wants, you know. But you know what I find interesting about the world? Well, not all, and I'm generalizing. But you know what I find interesting about the world? They tell us as Christians to be tolerant. But when we voice our opinions and we base it upon the word of God, guess what? You shut up. You don't have any right to speak. You... Whoa, wait a second here. I, look, let me tell you something. The only reason I have the right to say what I have is because of the authority of the Bible. When I get off the Bible, I have no more authority than anybody else in this room. But when I stand upon the word of God and the Bible says that Jesus is the only way, I don't care if you're Muslim. I don't care if you're Catholic. I don't care if you're Baptist. I don't care if you're Presbyterian. I don't care if you're Hindu. You can tell me all the other gods are Lutheran or Pentecostal or whatever your religious tag is. You can say, well, I'm going to get to heaven this way or whatever the case may be. And I say to you, the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the only way. He is the truth and the life. And there is no other way to the Father but by him. And you say, I'm intolerant. And I will say, amen, but I'm standing upon the authority of the word of God I didn't say it God said it and so therefore that's where I plant my feet see we've got to have this ruling authority in our life because if not we're going to miss true north if you will oh just one let me just just compromise just a little bit one degree off and guess what you're going to end up in the wrong place See, we're not going to be able to thrive and survive in the last days if we don't have some type of ruling authority in our life. See, folks, since, since the world is not getting better and it is getting worse, and since the world is more intolerant of Christians and what we stand for when we stand on the Word of God, guess what? You better have an anchor for your soul because when all hell breaks loose and when Satan is throwing everything in the kitchen sink at you, you better be able to hold on to the Word of God and say, wait a second, this is what the Word of God says. I don't care what culture says. I don't care what a president says. I don't care what a king says. I don't care what a potentate says. This is what God says and this is where I'm standing upon the word of God. You've got to have that ruling authority in your life. If not, guess what? You're going to be all over the place. You're going to be all over the place. You see, but how am I going to survive and thrive? Letter A, you must continue. 2 Timothy 3, 14, the Bible says, but continue thou in things which thou hast learned and been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. It's not just to continue to continue. But it's to continue in the things that you've learned. And Paul was specifically speaking about the word of God to Timothy here. See, no matter how long you've been a Christian, 
And this is, this is a hard thing sometimes because those of us who've been a Christian for a long time, sometimes we'll say that the Bible is the ruling authority in our life. But because we know so much of the Bible and we've grown up in church and we know all the things that we're supposed to know, sometimes we'll let stuff creep in and we start to drift a little bit. And you know what I'm trying to do? I'm trying as your pastor to say, hey, we need to pull back here and we need to get to what the word of God has to say and we need to replant our feet upon the foundation of the word of God and not worry about what man says and we just need to continue in, continue on in what the Bible has told us to say, uh, to do and how to live. See, continue. You know what it implies? Here it goes. I'm going to say a cuss word. <gasps> Listen, because I'm going to say a cuss word from the pulpit. You know what continue implies? Commitment. Oh, no, that is the cuss word of the 21st century. I don't want to be committed to anything. I've got to have, you know, because I got, I only want the commitments that I want for my life because it's very convenient for me. But man, when we say we're going to be committed to the word of God, he says continue, that means we got to commit. Guess what? That means serving God might be a little bit uncomfortable sometimes. That means standing upon the word of God might be a little bit uncomfortable sometimes. That means doing what's right and following the word of God means that guess what? You're going to suffer a little bit of persecution. Some people are going to look at you at your workplace like you got three eyeballs and two heads. That's what it means. I would expect a bunch of amens after that, all right? Look, I'm giving you everything I got. If you're not going to talk to me, then just go home, all right? I'll preach to an empty, to an empty uh, church this morning, but I'm going to go get at it. I need your help. They told me if there's a fire in the pulpit, there'll be flames in the pew. But if you want a polar bear in the pulpit, I can get up there. I can be a polar bear, and we can have ice cubes in the pew. Now the Bible says. <laughs> you say, Pastor, why do you get so fired up about this kind of stuff? Because I'm going to tell you why. Because we've got crazy Eagles fans. <laughs> Listen to me, I'm serious. Win or lose they're going to go nuts, okay? And they are passionate. I was seeing a little bit of this on TV. Yes, they're passionate. Guys dyeing their head, hair green and their beards green and all this kind of stuff. I heard about a lady just this morning who paid $15,000. $15,000 to go to the Super Bowl for her, her son, and her husband. You know what my first thought was? Why ain't she my mama? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I, I didn't. Sorry, sorry mom. <laughs> yeah, parking lot, yeah. You know, now that you brought that up, hmm. <laughs> and then when the pastor says, hey, I want everybody to commit to tithing this year. I want, every, I want everybody, if you're tithing, I want you to up your tithing. Pray about what God would have you to do. <gasps> you know how much some of those tickets are? They say average between five dollars and $9,000 for a ticket at the Super Bowl. You're going to watch a bunch of men in pants too tight run around after a leather ball. 
when we've got people all around this community that are dying and going to hell, and we need to get the gospel to them. And I'm not again, man, I hope you have a great time tonight, man. I really do. I hope you have a fun time and, and do all that kind of stuff. But let's put it in perspective, folks. And they're passionate about what they, they, they're passionate about. Should we not continue even when it's inconvenient? Man, they were out there in, in uh, Minneapolis, Minneapolis, Minnesota. It was like 17 below zero and with wind chill factors of 150. And I mean, they were out there just standing out there and, and freezing to death. But man, you know, and all this kind of stuff and shirts off and all. I mean, come on. How about S-O-U-L-S? See, but the only way that's going to happen is if we continue, and sometimes it's a little bit inconvenient. Guess what? It was inconvenient for those Eagles fans to stand out there when it was all cold like that. It was inconvenient. But if we're going to thrive, survive and thrive in, in this world, we must be committed. There must be a continuing. And the only way that you're going to be conti- continue is if you say, God, it's your word. I'm going to follow it. No matter what, whether it hurts, whether it's easy, or whether it's hard, I'm going to follow it. See, let me tell you this, folks. Look. Just because you've been faithful in the past. Just because you've been faithful in the past does not automatically guarantee that you're going to be faithful in the future. See, the only way I can guarantee you how you're going to be faithful, if you just determine, does not matter what comes my way, but this book is going to rule my life. This book. Not anybody else, not opinions, not feelings, not desires. This book. I got to hasten. I would love to. Look, folks. If it was Bible back in the day, and it was right back in the day, then guess what? It's right today. Just continue. And let me take a little side note here. Some of you folks that are dating, you're single. Guess what? Premarital relations is still wrong. Well, I didn't get pregnant. It's not about getting pregnant. The Bible says that it's wrong. Guess what? The Bible says the homosexuality and lesbianism is wrong. That's what the Bible says. That's what the Bible says. We may not but say, well, pastor, how should we treat? We ought to love everyone. We ought to love everyone. But I remember back in the day when preachers would preach against that kind of stuff and people would be like, yeah, amen, that's right. Now you preach against that kind of stuff. Well, you know, you really got to see if you, you, can, you can really cohabitate before you get married because it will help you work out the problems before your marriage. And Okay, that's what you want to think. I'll just tell you what God has to say. 
You can think that. It doesn't make it right. The world thinks it's nuts that Christian young people wait until they get married. Are you kidding me? You're 22, 23, 24, and you're still a virgin? Yes, that's a good thing. That's the way the Bible stated it. Paul tells Timothy to continue in those things, whatever that may be. I'm just using that as an example. How are you going to thrive and survive in this evil world? Not only must you continue, but you got to follow. You got to follow. I took a couple rabbit trails today. Every once in a while, you need that. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of knowing of whom thou hast learned them. There's no doubt that people have influence in your life. Isn't that the truth? People have influence in your life. The people that you hang out with, the friends that you have and speak and listen to, they're the ones that are going to have the greatest influence on you. And if you're going to survive and thrive in this culture, we must choose to follow those who are allowing Scripture to be the ruling authority in our life. The reason we need this is because in difficult times, in evil times, in times of defeat and discouragement, we need others to look to that have made it through. They can be an encouragement to us. Paul states to Timothy, he says, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, He said, look, you've been taught by these people. You can see their character of these people. He reminds Timothy of his mother and grandmother, but I believe he's especially reminding Timothy of himself. Look, Timothy, you've known my way of life. You've known my doctrine, he says in verse 10. You've known my manner of life. You've known my purpose, my faith, my long-suffering, my charity, my patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch and Iconium and at Lystra, what persecutions I endured. But out of them all the Lord delivered me. You've got three questions in your, your hand out there. Who are those that you are looking to that have the Bible as the ruling authority in their life? Who are those that you are looking to that has the Bible as the ruling authority in your life? You need to have somebody. I can tell you who one of mine is. He's preached here once or twice. One of the things that I hear about preacher most often is the guy's just been faithful. He's just been consistent. You may not always agree with everything he says, and sometimes preacher gets, every once in a while, he gets a little political. Just every once in a while. And you may not agree with that, and that's okay. But you know why you love him, not only because of his longevity here, but you know why you love him, because you can look at him and say, you know what, that, that man lives by that book. See, that's what I'm talking about, having somebody that has a ruling authority of, as the Bible in their life. Not somebody that's going to tell you what you want to hear. Preacher's not going to tell you what you want to hear. I'm not going to tell you what you want to hear. I'm going to tell you as lovingly as I can that this is what the Bible says. And what you do with it, that's up to you. I can't force you to do anything. But I am going to tell you what the Bible has to say. You say, well, pastor, aren't you afraid that people may not like you? Sure. Aren't you afraid that you might offend somebody? Sure. Aren't you afraid that they might leave the church? Sure. But you know what I'm afraid of more? Getting to heaven one day and having to stand before Almighty God and Him look at me and say, George, why didn't you tell Him the truth? 
So you have to have somebody to be able to follow. Let me ask you this. Would you be considered by a new or younger believer as one who should be followed? I mean, is your life, could people around here look at you and say, hey, I want to follow such and such because, man, the Bible is the ruling authority in their life. Paul said, what? Follow me as I follow Christ. The third question is, are you allowing the Bible to be the ruling authority in your life? Not only for your benefit, but for the benefit of others. You know what encourages people, especially newer Christians, when they see Christians for a long time just continually doing what is right? And you know what I've, some of the, I'm going to be very honest with you. Sometimes as a pastor, I get scared when new Christians get around certain older Christians. I do. I want to go up to them and say, you know what? You, you really just need to stay away from that person. You say, Pastor, you think that? Yeah, I do. You say, why is that? Because they're going to ruin them. You say, what do you mean? Because this person, they're all excited about the things of the Lord. They're all fired up about the things of the Lord. Man, they're getting involved in different things, and they're being faithful to this, and they're handing out tracts and all this kind of stuff. And then they get around one of those old-time Christians, man. They've been around forever, and they're like, mm, yeah, <clears throat> I served my time. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, you'll get over that. Yeah, I tried that, but, you know. They're all grumpy and crusty and they're all nasty and negative. And, well, you don't have to do that all the time. You don't have to. And as pastor, I just want to say, stay away, please. Just stay away, please. Now, I want you to still come to the church. But look, just don't talk to anybody. <laughs> You're hurting us. But let me ask you, would you, be, would you be the type of person that other people in this church just evaluate your own life and say, you know what? I think that people would want to follow me as a Christian. If not, don't you think that there should be some business that's done between you and God? I'm not saying that we're perfect. I'm not perfect. My, my wife and my girls can tell you, I'm not a perfect Christian, but I try and allow that book to rule my life. Doesn't mean that we don't fall and stumble. But it does mean that ultimately that that book is what guides us. And if you here this morning, you, you know Christ your personal Savior, but you could not say with absolute honesty, yes, I, I, if people looked at me, they could say that they could follow me because I would help lead them in the things of God because the Bible is the ruling authority in my life, then something must be done between you and God. It must be. Because then if not, then what are you doing? Because let's face it, people are watching You say, well, man looks on the outward appearance and God looks on the heart. Yes, he does, but it does say that man looks on the outward appearance. We're people. We watch people. Well, they ought to have their eyes on God and not on... Okay, now you, who are living an inconsistent Christian life, are trying to be theological. Okay, great, yeah. Can you say, number one Pharisee? Oh. 
You know it's the truth. See, I think sometimes, if we're not careful, we think that we're just an island unto ourselves and we're not affecting anybody else around us. But if you're not leading people closer to God because the Bible's the ruling authority in your life, then guess what you're doing? You say, well, that's their choice. Yes, it is. You're absolutely right. That's their choice. They don't have to follow me. You're absolutely right. But especially when you have a younger Christian, a new Christian, and they don't know any better. They think that all Christians are just good people. They're all trying to do what's right. But if you're not leading somebody with a ruling authority, as the Bible as a ruling authority in your life, then you're not getting on true north. Guess what you're doing? You're over here. And then as you take a step, they take a step. And as you take a step, they take a step. And just one degree, just one degree off, and you let it go for miles, and guess what will happen? You'll be miles off. And it's the same thing in our Christian life. So, Pastor, what are you trying to get us to do? We've laughed today. I've, I've said some hard things today, but I think we've had a good service. But I would say, but, but what are you trying to get us to do? Pastor, what's your heart's desire? You know what it is? That every single one of us, every single one of us, would look to this book as our ruling authority. That's it. That I'm going to follow the word of God no matter what. Friend, if you don't know Christ, your personal savior, verse 15 tells us that the Bible, in verse 15 it tells us right here, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal savior, know what the Bible says? The Bible says that as you look at the word of God, as you read the word of God, as you hear the word of God, it can make you wise unto salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Now let me ask you, friend, if you don't know Christ as your personal savior, are you willing to submit to this ruling authority? You say, Pastor, I'm not ready yet. Let me ask you, when do you think you're going to be ready? The Bible says, again, the Bible, not a Baptist preacher. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. You say, Pastor, what's, what's going to happen? I don't know if I can give up some of these bad habits. I, I like to drink and, and maybe smoke. And, you know, I look at some things I shouldn't look at and, you know, I just want to get my life cleaned up. I'm not a terribly bad person. I, I'm, I'm really not. I, look, you're trying to justify putting off accepting Christ and allowing this book to rule your life. You don't have to get cleaned up for God. Matter of fact, God doesn't want you to get cleaned up for him. You say, Maybe I'm involved in a relationship I shouldn't be involved in. And pastor, you know, I'm single or whatever. Or I have these tendencies that the Bible says I shouldn't have these tendencies. And I just don't know if I could. You come to Christ and you let him worry about cleaning you up. You just submit your life to him. It's a process. Guess what, folks? God's still cleaning me up. 
Hey, what are you in gross sin? Not that I know of, but every day he's working on me. Hopefully he's working on you too. He's cleaning you up, right? We are to be conformed to the image of Christ. We're not perfect after we get saved. We're just forgiven and we're saved after we get saved. So if you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, the Bible, this ruling authority, says that it can make you wise unto salvation. For the Christian here, will you make this your ruling authority? For the unsaved here this morning that doesn't know Christ, would you come to know Christ this morning and submit and say, I believe I'm putting my faith and trust in Lord Jesus Christ, that he is the way, the truth, and life, and that he is the savior of the world. I'm asking him to forgive me of my sins, and I'm placing my faith in him and in him alone. Not baptism, not communion, not confirmation, not a religion. It's Jesus and Jesus only. I'm going to submit to that ruling authority.